God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, welcome back to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. Are you okay or not okay today? Or a little, a wonderful little stew of both? Uh, I mean, I'm definitely okay. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I'm worried all the time, and I hate it. I don't like being worried all the time. What are you worried about? Just, you know, the thing we can't talk about. Is it just it, that, or there, is there more like a cascading? Is no, it just that? I think... I think it's that. I mean, I think it's that, but it's, yeah, it's just this weird sort of existential angst, really. Because, I mean, the stuff that I'm worried about, it's not, it's not really that worrisome. It's, it's, I don't know why I'm worried about it, but I, here, this is what I know about me. I'm going to find something to worry about. Yeah. That's how you feel. So that's just the way my brain works. I like worrying about stuff. Like, is my album going to be successful? Like, that's the kind of stuff I love to worry about. Like, that's way fun to worry. Or how do I write this song? Oh, am I going to write another good song? I'll never write another good song. Like, that's what I want to worry about. Right. I don't want to worry about what's going to happen to the world or some bullshit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's why you and I have such high... I mean, we've talked about this before, but I think that's why we have a high output rate is because if we're not really making all the stuff that we make, then you sit around and I just, I'm unfortunately wired to think about those things. And you and I have small children that are growing up right in front of our fucking eyeballs. And that to me, like every day, either talking to my daughter or just observing her or even her not being with me, her being in school, even her at in her absence, her, just her life, her her presence in my world causes me to think a lot about the world. Her future, no. is she okay? My own right. mortality. How old will she be when I die? Am I going to be healthy in my older age so I can be close with her? Will she even like me when she's an adult? Will I like her children? Will I like her husband? You know, all those things. I, is she in school? Yeah. She started second grade? Yeah, she grade? started last week, second grade. Dude, when does school start fucking there? It started a couple days after her birthday, which is August 6th. I think it started on the 10th. So now Damn. it's August 19th. So yeah, she's on her second week back. When does it start over there? Monday. Where, I mean, I, the public school's already started, but um, Scarlett's going to a private. Um, yeah, it starts Monday. So yeah. I got to say, it's been nice. You know, we I loved having her here for the summer, but, you know, it's nice for her to have somewhere to go. And then for after school care this year, um, we did the YMCA the last few years, but now we do her, the place where she does cheerleading and gymnastics doesn't after school care. So they take her on a little bus over there and she hangs out there. And then two nights a week, she's there for cheerleading and gymnastics. So we didn't see her until seven o'clock last night. She just came in, we made dinner, then she took a bath and it was bedtime. So she's just becoming a big kid, man. She, she, she lost both of her front teeth, <laughs> two front Whoa. teeth gone. And it's starting to creep into... Like, I don't remember when I was three, but I remember my first day of second grade. I remember losing my two front teeth. So I don't know if you do this as a parent, if you did this with Luke or if any of our listeners do this out there, but I'm starting to basically relive my childhood through her 
just through the sort of seminal events of losing your teeth. Yeah. All those little things that happen for the first time. I can remember my experience of that. And it's just unlocking those things in me. And it's not unpleasant, um, but it is like ponderous and it is existential. No, I, I love that part of being a parent. Like seeing like eating a pickle and you're like, oh yeah, I remember when I used to fucking love pickles when I was a kid. Right. Or, or just, I don't know, just a million little things. Yeah, it's a million of those. It's just those. Like riding your bike for the first time. or Yeah. And I try to remember too that she asks a lot of questions like a lot of kids do and I can just be so self-involved. I have to remind myself like she does not have many experiences to her. Eating a pickle is such an experience because of how potent the, you know, flavors got a, the flavor of a pickle is pretty strong. Some things like that to her, her experiences are so raw and so big. And I've just been not only crushed by the, the years, but, uh, also I've, I've, I've learned out of survival, just where to put everything, you know, she doesn't have that. She doesn't have categories for everything yet. She's, she's building those every day right in front of us. You know, I'm part of that. I, I'm part of the, I'm one of the adults in her life that helps her build categories. And my, the people around me when I was growing up didn't do a good job of that, dude. There was a lot of trauma and figure it out. Fuck. Which we do almost none of. We're very we're very accommodating. We just been doing this thing this week where we just put her in where she's like, can I watch a movie? And I'm yep. Yep. Here's the remote. And like literally every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, she watched the new and the old Mary Poppins back to back each day, each day. And we just let her because we don't want to have to entertain her. Yeah. I don't feel great about it. But I don't know what else to do. I'm not going to do anything. We definitely have our versions of that where we have a lot of great ideas about what being parents means. But some days, dude, you we have nothing in the tank for that. You know, we have nothing left for that. And that's just real life. You know, I mean, dude, think about it, man. You, you know, you support your family. Your family depends on you solely. I know, but I'm not doing shit like. I'm I'm like working on the New York Times crossword puzzle while she's watching like an hour of Mary Poppins. Well, that's up to you, I guess, to figure out for yourself. My guess would be you're the kind of guy that needs, you know, you need that stuff. I, I will say I, uh, I've been doing this thing for like the last week and a half where I'm making dinner every night just to give Isabel a break. She can be a little freed up, not have to worry about that. And I like cooking and it's been fun, but I was having a really tough day the other day and they were home and I just, I, I didn't want to face them. It's weird. Nothing happened. I just didn't want to face my family. It's a really weird thing I was feeling. And so I got dinner started and it had to, it had to cook for like an hour or something. And I just went upstairs in our bedroom, just laid in the, in our big, beautiful king size bed with all the lights off and the fan on. And my wife came up there and was like, Oh, you hiding out from the family. And I was like defensive. And I was like, no, I'm just laying down. I mean, I got dinner going. I'm taking care of everything. And she was like, she wasn't pushy. She was like, oh, okay. She was just grabbing something. She went back down and I thought about it and I was like, I'm like running away from my family right now. And I just grabbed a book and went downstairs and just sat with them. I I still felt weird. I didn't feel great, but I was like, man, I need to just be near them. What the fuck am I doing? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting next to my daughter while she's watching Mary Poppins while I'm doing the New York Times crossword puzzle, but I don't know. Do you feel, uh, do you have a sense of like a gnawing 
about it, like a guilt about it? I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, for whatever reason, I'm just not great at, I mean, there's certain people I like, I like hanging out with and talking to, but for the most part, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I want to be doing something. I want to be working on something. I want to be solving some riddle or puzzle. And if I'm not doing that, then I want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And if you're not entertaining, bye-bye. <laughs> and my my daughter's very entertaining for a few minutes, but not for the long, not for the long Shakespearean day. <laughs> the, you know? The Shakespearean day. Not for the full fucking eight-hour you Are we know. talking a Jeffrey Chaucer <laughs> length day, or is it a Shakespeare day? Is it an Othello day? She comes out with some zingers every once in a while, and she's she's fun for 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 a bit. But I mean, my son, he's totally mobile now. I don't know when I'm going to see him. Yeah, probably not for a couple of years. It's so weird. He's he has a car he's now. Sixteen. He's car. He's driving. He's got a car. Damn. He was supposed to come over. On, he's supposed to come over on Wednesdays. We didn't see him yesterday. Didn't talk to him. Um, I mean, I'm hoping he's going to come over this weekend. I, it's probably going to be, yeah. How does that make, is, is that a, a sad feeling? It's weird. It's weird. And, and I mean, I didn't, you know, it, it's this weird feeling like I'm never, that's it. He's got his own life. Yeah. I don't really connect with my parents very much. They're going to die. I'm going to die. Yeah. I'm never really going to be, I'm never going to be that person that like enjoys connecting and being with people or something. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I get all of my self-worth from like doing things like writing a song or playing a show or whatever. And I mean, I do enjoy some things. I enjoyed chatting with you. I enjoy the company of my wife most of the time i enjoy being around my daughter but interacting with her can be really boring because she's she's sick she isn't you know she doesn't have much to say yeah it sounds horrible but it's just true i mean and that conversation only goes so far before it gets ground down well, this is kind of what I was saying on the last episode. Like everything you're saying is exactly how my kids make me feel. My kid makes me feel. My kids, my kid makes me feel. It, these it, it, suddenly, you know, Luke. He said he's going to come over for dinner. He he bails because he's 16, and his buddies probably wanted to play fucking whatever games they play. But something, you know, a little innocuous moment like that will happen. And if you're not doing a crossword puzzle or writing a song, that will spin out into everything you just said, which I thought was really beautiful. And it's like, my life is like mitigating. It's good to feel those things, but I can't, if I just spent my whole waking life feeling all that, I wouldn't get anything done. It's not very practical. Um, and the thing with hanging out with your kid is like, I think, I think about that too. Like, yeah, your kid can be really boring and really exhausting. And it's like, I didn't make her to be her buddy, you know, be her best friend. I am her friend, but I'm her dad. And it's important for her to see me have a life that, you know, it's important for her her to figure out her own shit and we say no to her a lot she's like daddy come play she always wants to play a game that involves a lot of movement <laughs> and i'm like no yeah no she's like dad come chase me in the backyard i'm like no yeah, everything's I'll, tag let's play tag let's play hide let's and seek and chase. tag and chase each other no i mean 
And every once in a while, I'll get this thing where I'm like, okay, every time she asks me to play chase, I'm going to play chase and I'm going to get some exercise and it's going to be good for me and it's going to make me feel good. Yeah. And I'll, cause I'll have that energy and I'll have that. I'm, I'm not super depressed at that moment and I'll do it for a couple days or maybe a week, but eventually that deep depression settles in to my bones. And then it's like, Hey, let's play chase. And I'm like, no, because I'm in that dark I mean, I, I'm the more I think about it, the more I think that I've always been like depressed. And then I just use all of these things that I have figured out to do to to so I don't have to deal with the depression. So I, you know, yeah, so now I've got thousands of songs, I've got all this art, I've got a career, I've got, you know, shit. St- because I mean shopping, buying stuff, buying books, that's just trying to put all you know, trying to, find, you know, oh, if I get this book, maybe that'll be the thing that'll make me finally make me happy. Religious people call it the God-shaped hole that you're trying to fill. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let me tell you what doesn't make that boo-boo better, by the way. Reading the book, Sapiens. <laughs> <laughs> that book has really been bumming me out, man. Uh, I don't think I finished it. But it's also, uh, it's also blowing my mind in a good way. I mean... It's just really resonating, but you know, reading reading a, a biologist or an anthropologist or so a social scientist, sort of just look at it all and break it all down in the way that it's broken down in that book about like this is who we are, this is what we are, this is why we are the way that we are, um, in a way that doesn't involve anything mystical. It's like, well, we we can really know a lot about how we think, you know. There's something really exciting about it because it's sort of unlocking what feels kind of i mean you we've been told our whole lives that a lot of those big questions are these big mysteries we should bow down to and in this nebulous prayer life too but they're like no it's you know you do this because of this there's something both freeing and scary about it all it is interesting that everything's just made up like people and i don't think people i'm not just talking about like religion or I'm just talking about time. everything. Time. Yeah. The idea of time is made up or the idea that you have a soul or the idea that there's months, years, day, yeah. Monday, Tuesday, or, or that there's like an afterlife or just every, like all just, or the idea that like the idea of a word, like language, like we're going to, we're going to make sounds every time we make this sound, it refers to this object over here. And I mean, just the idea like of space and objects in space or that we're human or that we're separate from the world. Like that I'm a part of the world, but I'm separate from the world. Mm -hmm. Like all of that's just made up. So crazy. Yeah. I mean, but nobody thinks about that. Nobody thinks about the fact that everything that you know is from the past and doesn't is it refers to the present, but it the present has changed and maybe not significantly, but it's changed and it's not what it was. So when you say that this thing is what it was, you're, you're just saying, well, it used to be the, at one point it was this. And so I'm going to refer to it as that, like me, I'm different than I was uh, 10 years ago. And like, when I look at movies of old people and I'm like, cause I'm watching these or my daughter's watching these old Mary Poppins movies from the sixties. And I'm like, 
even if those people are alive, the people that they're the people that were were in this movie are dead. Like the person that was me in 1972, that person's dead. The person that was me in 1992 is dead. The person that was me in 2002 is dead. The only person that's alive is the me that's now. Well, and I'm sure you feel that way too when you think about like records you've made or like songs that you've made that you sing. You you know the you now is going to sing Forty Dogs or two, the song 2002, for example. But the guy who wrote that, who was that guy? A stranger. Yeah. Bye. And the other thing too, I was going to say when you were talking about that, like first of all, great David Shields quote: Every, "Anything that passes through memory is fiction," which I love. Yeah. Um, which is, that resonates so truly with me. It's like, it's the most unreliable thing ever is your memory. That's why eyewitness testimony is like the shittiest testimony in court. The other thing was when you talk about like, well, we made up language and this, this utterance, this like guttural thing means lamp or whatever. What's crazy about that is because language is so important. I mean, language is the most important thing we do. We assign so much meaning to it, art and poetry and Shakespeare and all this shit. What it gets reduced to is like the only real value any of that even had was it just allowed us to live longer and procreate more and survive longer. Tribes that had a language that they could codify and talk to each other, they could share tips on how to trap the fucking mammoth. And it's just as simple as that. Because I think so much of the human experiment isn't, isn't it like trying to get to the bottom of it all? And you get, you can start to crack into that. And there's not, there's not like, you know, a buried treasure there. It's just like a skeleton, you know? Dude, how about using language to make people laugh? Huge. How about you're just sitting there and then the other person's sitting in there and they're going, gunga, gunga, gunga. <laughs> and then you're like, <laughs> gunga, gunga. And it's just, all it is is sound. You're making sounds and then those sounds are tickling some part of that other person's brain and that's making them laugh. Because of what it means. But it's so mysterious and wonderful like it's awesome it's part of the great trade dude I, I i watched this guy in joe rogan being interviewed and he was so smart and so like he was just able to express a lot of really you know complicated things very easily but he was not funny at all and never tried to be funny and joe rogan didn't try to be funny even though joe rogan is funny and i was just but you could tell that this guy he's one of those dudes who just doesn't it's not like they're refusing to be funny they don't need to be funny it's such a weird thing that i i find so foreign like he's so confident in himself as a person are you talking about the guest just, or joe the guest because i'll say this about joe rogan he is not funny no no his stand-up's really funny uh, i've never seen any stand-up of his that was any good and he's never funny on his fucking show he's not funny on his show but all his i've never seen his stand-up that wasn't funny but besides that i'm just talking about this thing and i've talked about it on the show before there's certain people that just don't need to be funny they they there's no part of them that thinks oh i should be funny or i need to be funny to be okay but you and i definitely fall into the like we need to be funny part of what makes us special and wonderful and lovable is the fact that we're funny and if we're not funny who's gonna love us i don't know maybe subconsciously i don't really think about it that way like consciously i just know i'm good at it and it feels good to do something you're good at but maybe subconsciously well, it's a like well what else is lovable about me i i think subconsciously i don't think i'm very lovable at all and maybe that's what the funny is Oh no, I 
at no, I there's nothing about me that's lovable. The only thing that's lovable about me is what I can do. So songwriting, performing, uh, making art, making people laugh, entertaining people. That's the only thing that's lovable about me. But just me as a, without any of that, you strip all that away. No, nothing. There's nothing about me that's lovable in my mind. And that's a lot of people though, that don't even have those, those nice adornments that you are blessed with, you know? But there's a lot of people who, when they think of themselves, they go, oh, I'm great. I'm fine. (laughs) Of course I'm lovable. And I'm like, what are you basing this on? You dumb ass cow slash sheep of a human being that's doing nothing except taking up space and pooping everywhere. Right. I'm like, what, what is that? I don't even understand what that is. I would say you definitely have a, like, I'm unlovable thing, which we've talked about a lot. And I think a lot of that does have to do with childhood It's not even that I'm unlovable. I'm just like, it's not that I'm unlovable. It's just that like, if you're not doing anything, if you're, I mean, I guess I feel this way about most people, which is like, if you're not doing anything special, why should I care? Why should I care? Well, I guess the idea is that most people don't do things that are, you know, overtly yeah, and special. Maybe, and maybe that's why I don't care. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. If you love me, like if you're a fan of what I do, guess what? You get a gold star for that. I think most human beings on these like small micro levels, like of a one-on-one level that you don't really get to do much, are interesting, beautiful. They've got a story to tell. They've got a childhood that they survived. They've got kids they're trying to raise. They've got a job they don't like. They've got yeah, art no, they like. Dude, you're you're saying that? No, I, but you, I believe it. Dude, you're dude, you don't want to hear somebody's story. I don't want to hear it. But no. but they have it though. It is there. I, I'm maybe saying, they have I'm it. Saying, I'm saying I think maybe I, they even if they have it, they can't tell it in an interesting way. I think I have a misanthropic foggy shield, like I'm the boy in the misanthropic bubble. But I do think it's just a bubble. And I like Isabel and I were just talking about this. We were um, having lunch with somebody else kind of talking about our neighborhood. And I was like, you know, Isabel likes being a good neighbor. Like she likes the chit chat with our neighbors. And I was telling them, I was like, I to avoid that, I will do insane things. Like I'll like sneak into my own house or something to avoid that. Now, if my neighbors needed me to like help them, I would do it. Like I like the idea of being a good neighbor. But God, the fucking chit chat at the mailbox. I just would rather die. And Isabel likes it. You know, it's like she's un unburdened and unsullied. She's not in the bubble, the misanthropic bubble that you and I, I believe we're maybe even forced into for survival. And that's where we yeah. live, man. And I think maybe you spend some years of your life thinking like, oh, I'll just get out of the bubble by talking to somebody or doing doing work. But I think you realize at some point, like, I think I might be in this bubble forever. I think this is, I think this is who I am. And welcome to Bummertown. We'll be accepting tickets at the gate. No ticket. No entrance. Yeah. It's either this or it's movie talk. And maybe we should take a break from movie talk. We were pretty heavy on movie talk the last few, uh, few weeks. Dude, here's what I know about people listening to this podcast. They know what's up they when know it what comes the to the is. movies. They know what the deal is. Dude, they, they've boned up Zip on all things movies on this podcast. I think we should I think we should let the podcast world know 
that there's a new Siskel and Ebert in town and their names are Wells Schneider. Yeah, you're welcome. Period. And then we, and the way we would rate movies is good or bad. <laughs> no, we give, them, we give them five sips. <laughs> uh, Did you like it? I thought it was good. How about you? I thought it was bad. Four and a half sips. And nothing in between. Nothing in between good and bad. Yeah. It's okay people to like people bad would get, shit. People too, would get so pissed. It's okay they, to like bad shit. You like a ton of bad shit. No, I, dude, I only like good shit. There's nothing bad I like. Let me tell dude, you, dude. I just, I just, I just subscribed to Apple TV so I could start watching the second season of Ted Lasso. God, everyone is just shitting their pants about that. It seems so boring. Did you watch it? No, I don't have Apple. I don't, I'm not getting it for one show. Well, that's a friend the of thing. mine. A friend of mine offered me her like login for it, but I don't want to do that either I, because. Dude, I don't want to deal with the legal ramifications. Before I watched it, I mean, just the name Ted Lasso just sounds so stupid. Like, it sounds so stupid. It looks bad. That guy's never been in anything good. And Where the Millers was okay. It's worth a watch. It's funny. It's a a great show. And then I started watching Schmigadoom (laughs) last night (laughs) with that guy from uh, Key and Peele. Schmigadoom. The bald guy. It sees these this couple gets trapped in a world where it's a musical. Oh wow. And uh it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It ain't no it ain't no Ted Lasso. Did you know that Fred Durst directed a film? I did not. <laughs> what if it was the end? All right. He directed a film called Fanatic. Now it got the worst reviews ever. Starring one Mr. John Travolta as a bald man who plays an obsessed fan in L.A. He's obsessed with an actress, and his obsession leads him to do terrible things. I watched that movie because it sounded good to me, and I love John Travolta. But guess what? Everyone said it was bad because Fred Durris is an easy target. John Travolta has become a bit of an easy target. And I was absolutely mesmerized by Travolta's performance. He go he goes like Nick Cage over the top, like insanely over the top. And uh I recommend it. Check it out. Fanatic. No one saw it. This is what it says. Yeah, let's John hear Travolta it. gives it his oddly coiffed all. Yeah. But the fanatic rings hollow as an examination of the way fans appreciate appreciation can curdle into toxic obsession but see that's what annoys me everyone thinks that movies are like some great social commentary and they always just shoehorn that crap in it's are all your songs great social commentaries they're just songs someone just wrote a movie they made a movie well here's one guy didn't oh, it's a scathing critique on fame and its relationship to celebrity. He said, I like Durst's approach to this new film an 88 minute psychological thriller that might be compared with Martin Scorsese's King of Comedy. Yeah, it's got some of that in it. That's a nice review. Maybe I wrote that. And then the everybody else wrote An Unpleasant Watch, Worst Movie of the Year, <laughs> has contempt for both its characters and audience. Uh, oh, really? As bad as that haircut, loud as his costumes, dressed in the category of campy oddity. All fools. Uh, All fools. Despite a haunting last 60 seconds, it's likely to go down in film history as an embarrassing effort for both Dorst and Travolta. Fool. Uncomfortable thriller with good ideas, but very little tact. Fool. Completely shallow, nothing new in it. Fool. 
Oh, so now a movie has to have a something completely new in it. A factory of unintentional laughter. That sounds good. Like I'll watch something that's. I wish we could watch it together. Should we watch it this weekend? No, dude, I'm not watching this shit. What? I thought you said you might watch it. I might listen to uh, how how did this get made if they featured this movie on how did this get made, which is I'm telling you, like man. I read re- I read watch. people's reviews of shit. I'm like, you guys don't know anything that you're talking about. Has utter contempt for both its characters and its audience. Dude, you don't even know what that a, means. If it's got a 1629, it's going to be bad. I'm telling you, it's good. Well, I'm. I've seen you. I've watched movies with you that you made me watch, and that movie is called Martyrs. <laughs> it was tor- terrible. And ever since then, when you say movies great. I take it with what they call the proverbial GOS. Martyrs is great. You just couldn't stand how brutal it was, but that's generally considered a modern achievement of French cinema. So look at the reviews for Martyrs real quick. The French. How one. many times have you watched all of the human centipedes? <laughs> I've watched the first one three times, the second one twice, and the third one once. Okay. I tried that, to watch the third one a second time, but I couldn't find it. That alone qualifies look, you look you you know me dude now let's pretend that you're just hearing about human centipede for the first time but you know me okay everything i've been you know my whole deal yeah and i'm like hey dude i heard about a movie where a crazy surgeon sews three people together ass to mouth now i could just say that and you know that i'm gonna watch that german movie rated xxxxxx don't watch it unwatchable Man sews three people ass to mouth in a horrible body horror experiment. You know I'm watching that. Yeah, I'm not watching that. First one's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) That's, dude, that's so, I don't even know what to say there. All right, we got to go. We love you guys. Thanks for all the support. Do the right thing. You can buy the t-shirts at the link below in the app that you're listening to this podcast on. We will see you on the flippity floppity. We go now into the coveted Secret Weekly. You can get that also right on your phone and whatever app you use, all by joining the Secret Weekly, or by joining the Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash letters I-O-K. That link will also be below in the description. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 